Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. This is your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined, as always, by my co-host, John Carey. Again, we are separated and very sad that we cannot be together, but we did enjoy a nice three-hour stretch of watching Andor last night, which was very, very needed. It was it was so beautiful that we were able to share that time together before sending the boy back to the front. <laughs> um, today, we're going to get into a little little NBA Finals discussion as the, uh, you know, by the time you hear this, hopefully you'll know, the Nuggets won the uh, the NBA Finals. And then uh, we'll get a little bit into the Mariners and their recent stretch of games and talk a little bit maybe about the All-Star game coming up and what, what the implications are for the Mariners and potential All-Star candidates for the team. Um, That's what you want. Any, any quick thoughts before we get rolling, John? No, just excited to talk a little Nuggets ball. Honestly, you glitched out there. I didn't hear what you said, but I'm sure you just said something nice. (laughs) Love it, love it. All right, let's get into a little coyote picnic. John, let's let's get just right into it. So the Nuggets today they won um, the game five of the NBA Finals to take to win it to win it in a gentleman's sweep um, against the Heat. And what were your did you watch the game? What were your thoughts coming out of that one? Yeah, my thoughts were that it was it was pretty similar to the last couple of games that we've seen. Um, Denver did not dominate by any means. They were down six or so at the half, um, and then mounted a nice comeback in the second half. Um, but you know, this, this story of this finals in particular, Jamal Murray had his, had his moments, but it was really just the utter domination of Nikola Jokic, um, start to finish. His worst game was like a 26, 12 and four. That was like the floor of his finals and his, his ceiling was obviously much higher. His ceiling was the first 30, 2010 performance in finals history. Um, I saw a cool stat. There were like... Four thirty twenty ten games in NBA playoff history, and Jokic now has three of them, <laughs> which is always fun. Um, it's some Will Chamberlain style stuff right there. But uh, no, yeah, the thoughts come out of it. Miami, this Miami team, more and more reminds me of that twenty twenty Miami team that lost, I believe, in five. I think they got gentlemen swept as well by the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, LeBron in AD's first title in LA. Um, obviously the connection in terms of personnel is obvious. That was a Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, um, Bam Adebayo, Heat team, but also just kind of like the vibes in terms of, <laughs> yeah, you know, a bit of a, bit of an underdog clawing its way to the finals. Why not us? And then they get to the finals and it's like, oh, right. This is why not us <laughs> because some of these teams are just a lot more talented. Yeah. To, uh, to elaborate on that, I think it was interesting that Spolstra. I, I don't think Tyler Hero got any minutes today, even though he was cleared to play for game for the game, um, which I found a little interesting considering it felt like they. I guess they they were winning going at halftime and kind of were were cruising, and then the, the Nuggets came back. But it felt like they kind of were unable to create a good shot at the end of the game. And if they had gotten Tyler Hero kind of ramped yeah. up in the uh, in that first half, maybe given him just a few minutes. He might have been able to get a little bit more of his shot creation, um, 
because Jimmy Butler did not look like he had it tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Butler with another rough game. That's another story coming out of the series is like <laughs> the whole Hemi Butler thing. There was a lot of talk come after those first couple series of like how good is Jimmy Butler? Is he a Hall of Famer? Where do we have to think of him in terms of some of the all-time greats? And this finals was a great reminder that like, no, 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 no. He's Jimmy Butler. Like, great in the playoffs. You want him in the playoffs, but like if he's the best player on your team, you're probably not winning an NBA Finals. He's just not on that caliber of player, you know. He had an unbelievable first round against Milwaukee, solid second round, solid third round, and kind of a bad Finals. So um, not a Jokic in terms of being able to bring it every night. Not even, like, looking at like what Steph did last year for the Warriors, carrying them in every <laughs> single round. You know, Hemi Butler, he's got that dog in him, but uh, doesn't have quite enough talent. So uh, I know that's that's hot. <laughs> I might be the first person throwing throwing shots at Jimmy Butler after this finals <laughs> loss, but really good player. I really like him, but he's not. Let's calm down on the first ballot Hall of Famer, Jimmy Butler. Uh, but also, yeah, going to what you were saying about Tyler here. Yeah, I wouldn't say that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer by any means. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um But talking about Tyler Hero and his shot selection, um, yeah, I think Spo, his thought process was probably, you know, if we're really struggling, we'll bring him in as a change of pace and just, like, hope it works because at that point, if we're really struggling, you know, we need to try anything. The fact that they were winning at the half, he probably doubled down on that first half game plan and said basically, hey, we were able to win a half of basketball against these guys doing what we're doing. Let's not mix it up. We just need to keep playing good. And, you know, between Jokic and Jimmy Butler and their opposite shooting percentages, it kind of worked itself out. Yeah. To be honest, it felt like the Nuggets were kind of trying to give away that game towards the end. Um, they just they had a lot of turnovers. It was kind of a sloppy game, and the Heat just, like, could never could never right the ship after they gave up that lead going into – or kind of through halfway through the third. Um yeah, it felt like the turnovers, the free throw shooting was horrendous by the Nuggets until the end of the game. And the fact of the matter is the Heat couldn't capitalize and take a take a bigger lead as the as the Nuggets were were dwindling. Jimmy Butler had 8 points with like 6 minutes to go in the game and he hit he had like 12 straight, which gives him 20 for the game and it makes him look better, but he had 8 points for for a majority of the game. It was not a great Jimmy Butler game and it just kind of cemented my thought that he definitely was playing a little injured um, and did not look 100% just based on the energy that he brought. Um, Bam, however, I think Bam really took it to another level this game. I don't know I don't know if you are in agreement with me on that one, but it felt like Bam and Lowry um, and a lot of the Heat like role players um, kind of took a step forward with, with Butler being down and I think that's that's a good sign for the Heat. Um, they probably do need another star. I don't think they can win with this core. But I was pretty pretty pleased. I would be pleased if I was a Heat fan watching that game and just thinking, okay, maybe maybe we get Dame in the offseason or something like that. Um, but, I, yeah, stuff to look forward to for the Heat. But the Nuggets definitely were you, – you come away thinking those that team is good and will be good for a few years and will definitely be title contenders next year. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah, I would not necessarily be encouraged if I was a Heat fan. I feel like they've got a couple things working against them. Um, Jimmy's age is one of them. The fact that all of their plucky, undrafted role players like Vincent and Struess and 
Cody Martin uh, due to the fact that they balled out getting this team to the NBA Finals are probably going to be offered more money than they deserve by teams that can afford to do that. And Miami is not one of those teams. So, you know, that's the problem with uh, being an expensive team with a lot of plucky underpaid players. You better win that year because those players are probably going elsewhere. I saw I saw a graphic that had Jimmy Butler in the range of like a Reggie Miller um, and a Tim Hardaway type player based on his like statistics and All Star game appearances and things like that. Um, and those people, those guys are Hall of Famers. Um, do you think if Jimmy Butler's career ended right now, he would be a Hall of Famer? Okay, so a hot take. No, no, I don't think he would be. Um, yeah, I get those comparisons to those older players, but the problem is the talent level in the league is so much higher now. It's kind of like, you know, an easy NFL comp is like Matthew Stafford um, when he was in Detroit was shattering all the all-time passing records for his age, uh, largely due to the fact that he was kind of like the first guy in a generation of quarterbacks coming in that were just hucking the ball like they never had before. So his stats were inflated, and it's like, no, Stafford's not a first mm-hmm. ballot Hall of Famer because he's thrown more yards than Peyton through his first five years, you know? Um, Butler's playing in a much deeper league yeah. uh, than Tim Hardaway Jr. or any of those guys were, or Tim Hardaway. Um, not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler has certainly never been an MVP or an MVP candidate, never won an NBA Finals, so though he's taken some teams to a couple. Um, and he's like a two or three time all-star he just he's not even like stacking all-star appearances let alone all nba appearances so you know he doesn't really have any of the accolades to back up his play i mean he's a six-time all-star and a five-time all nba defensive team six-time all-star sorry jimmy i cut you short great defender love love jimmy (laughs) on defense yeah but i think i think you're speaking to to a different type of issue which is the fact that every team has somebody like Jimmy Butler or they have like every team has a primary scorer and every year the primary scorers on these teams are getting better. And I think Jimmy Butler, you know, if his career were to end right now, he might actually look better because of what he just did. Like if he just stopped playing, but by the time his career fizzles out, it's, it feels like he's going to get kind of lost in the hubbub and it's going to be players like, you know, you're going to see Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, like all these guys are going to kind of, they're a couple of years away from graduating into that Hall of Fame um, tour, but they're going to be the same type of people, or the, the people that are going to be with like his peers, and I think he will get kind of lost in the, in the muck. But a lot of people love Jimmy Butler just for, just for his attitude and what he's done for, for the city of Miami and how he treated that Minnesota Timberwolves team. So, you know, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. He, he should make the Hall of Fame just for that practice and, and what he did to Tibbs. Poor, poor Tibbs. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, you know, he probably will make the Hall of Fame. The NBA loves to, you know, it's good for the league to, you know, promote all these legends, quote unquote. But I guess, you know, to be fair to Jimmy, it's like, do you think Carmelo Anthony deserves to make the Hall of Fame? Um, because I think Jimmy Butler is on par with Carmelo Anthony. I think I'd rather have Jimmy Butler than Carmelo. Um, but frankly, I don't think either one deserves it. That's interesting. I feel like a lot of people think that Carmelo Anthony is like a pretty, pretty locked down Hall of Famer. It might just be because of his longevity, like he's been playing for so long that it feels like he had more of an impact 
But yeah, Melo's a Melo's a great example. He played in New York. Yeah, he. Well, I mean, he played in New York. He played for a lot of years. He was a primary scorer, but I don't think he had any substantial. Like he never took a team to the finals, um, and like really challenged anybody. No, never. He never made the finals. No, I like that. I mean, he was you know kind of a legendary Olympic player. He was a really good Olympic player, but. yeah, is that making the Hall of Fame these days? Devin Booker was a really good Olympic player. <laughs> you always find a way to get us back to Devin Booker, don't you? <laughs> let's talk about Devin Booker for a minute. <laughs> um, let's. What we should do is talk about the team that won, actually, for, for a couple more minutes. Um, you know who had a really good game Ooh. today? Michael Porter Jr. That's actually a good point. He's, he's had a really up-and-down playoff and series in particular he's been he's been very up and down and what's I think kind of impressive about his game today is that you know offensively he's really looked at as a three-point specialist um and he was one for six from three but he still was able to contribute 16 points 13 rebounds three assists was second on the team in scoring second in rebounding behind guess who um and yeah wasn't super efficient from the floor, but played 33 minutes, which was, I think, a series high, and uh, played really well. Yeah, to uh, to elaborate on that one, I think um, the fact that he, it felt like he didn't really know what he was doing coming into the game. Like he's been really off for the last for the last couple, and he was, you know, Christian Brown, I think is his name, was getting played more or more playing time than Porter Jr. was, just because he couldn't find a shooting stroke, and that's kind of what he's relied upon, and his defense had been lackluster and so it felt like what he did was just like hey i'm gonna go after these rebounds and get these putbacks and just play a little closer to the rim and then eventually he started to expand his game um to kind of the mid-range and i you know he hit a big three towards the end of the game um but yeah that was that was what it felt like is he just was like i need to make an impact in this game and and it felt like he tried he you know he found the right way to do that which was which was good to see from the 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 seattle native <laughs> yeah, for some reason I don't think of Michael Porter Jr. as a Seattle native, but you're right, he is. And yeah, he played at Nathan Hale. <laughs> Can't get more Seattle than that. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like a little Michael Porter Jr. shout out. Um, Jamal Murray, another excellent game. Really happy for him. Cool story for him coming back from that torn ACL. People kind of forget, you know, Jokic has been so dominant these last years, but in that bubble season when they went and lost to the Lakers and had that amazing run and that amazing 3-1 comeback against the Clippers, Jamal Murray was their best player, plain and simple. He was better than Jokic in those playoffs. Um, and, you know, he's had a very up-and-down playoff in terms of performance. He was always good, but, you know, he'd go score anything from 9 points to 40 points, so not a super consistent offensive weapon, but just always fighting, always playing hard. Um, and I think even more than Jokic, I might be happy for Jamal Murray. Uh, always love seeing the guy fight back from injury and, and get rewarded promptly. <laughs> I've always thought that Jamal Murray has a very similar playing style to Donovan Mitchell for whatever reason. And maybe it's because they seem like a little small for their, their positions and they kind of do the same thing. Like, I feel like if Donovan Mitchell was on the Nuggets, he could do the same thing that Jamal Murray does. But that's just just a thought that I had that I wanted to put out there. I, I think uh, Jamal Murray really really happy to see him get this get this win and uh, you know deservedly so after coming back from that injury and he's been a really good player for for the Nuggets um, for a while now. 
I think I think uh, Donovan Mitchell would have to be a little more comfortable without the ball in his hands to do what Jamal has done this year. I do get what you're saying in terms of comparing their games. I think he's a bit more of a black hole than Jamal. Um, but I also think part of the reason you're naturally inclined to compare them to each other is Donovan Mitchell's the one that, in the round before the Lakers, had those epic battles with Jamal Murray uh, in that 2020 playoff. Do you remember that? It was him and Jamal just going back and forth, dropping 45-point games. Yeah, yeah, That's and that's like why I think of it, I think, is just because those two were battling each other and they're, they're, you know, relatively the same age. Um, and yeah, I think both of them could do what the other person does. If Jamal Murray wanted to be more of a black hole, he could play by himself. Um, but I also think if Donovan Mitchell wanted to play with Jokic, he would definitely, you know, succumb to playing as a, as more of a team player if he, if it came down to it, because that's just how you win games. Um, especially with Jokic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, okay. Well, there's a good question for you, Tyler. Who would you rather have, Murray or, or Mitchell? Uh, with with Jokic. With Jokic, right now, I would say Murray. If I saw something better from Mitchell about like playing with a, with a star, um, then I might say Mitchell. But he's always been kind of the predominant scorer and ball handler on his team, and he hasn't really relinquished that role yet. Even when he was playing with Cleveland this year, where they have Garland and Mobley and... I guess Jared Allen's not really a, the same type of offensive weapon, but it still felt like it was like the Mitchell show, even though they had more weapons than they did when he was in Utah. Um, so right now, I would definitely take Murray. Yeah, that, that, that's a good a good point. Even when it wasn't necessarily the Mitchell show, he wasn't necessarily helping the offense a ton. It was when he said, "Okay, you know, time to give this to Darius Garland and let him work." He would kind of just stand around. Um, so I would say, yeah, it's interesting because I, I like all of Jamal's like traits better. Where like, I think he's a better teammate. He's more unselfish. He's definitely a better passer and plays better without the ball. But Mitchell has all like the the <laughs> tangible attributes. Just like a way better athlete. He's bigger, uh, a better defensive ceiling. Doesn't necessarily um, use it. But... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But he can be. And uh, probably a better shooter straight up. Like, Jamal's a really good shooter, but um, when Mitchell is on one, he's he's really on one. Yeah. So I think if we were getting the best version of Donovan Mitchell, I'd probably want him. But I just, like, Jamal just has that dog in him. Even though he's smaller and less athletic, he's just always working. So I really like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have one more little, little interesting topic of discussion. Um, a lot of people talk about, like, the gravity of having a guy like Steph Curry on the floor um, where he just kind of makes everybody better because everybody's focused on him. And I noticed that a lot today in the, in the, in that last game. Um, Jokic is so good at playing when he gets doubled. Like it's, it's tough when he gets, you know, a guy comes from behind him and strips the ball that happened. I, I can remember once today when Lowry did it, but he's so good at like when people come to him, when he gets doubled, whatever it is, if they get the switch onto a smaller guy, the big that was guarding him that got the switch off will pounce on him and try to double. And he's so good at immediately passing that ball off um, to the guy that, you know, the big is rotating off of. Um, and I think that the Nuggets team is really good at cutting and recognizing that. Um, can you think of another big with that kind of like instinctual passing ability? Because I, I think of like, I don't think Tim Duncan really had that, especially in like the recent 
you know, a couple decades. Can you think of any like that? Yeah, like, uh, you know, Bill Walton is kind of that kind of guy you're talking about. But um, everything I heard about Arvidas Sabonis in the 80s, he, he was a very instinctual passer. And to be fair, you know, not to give too much credit, uh, but DeMontis Sabonis zag after my own heart third team all nba center behind uh the two mvp front runners um is a really really good passer and an instinctual passer sees the court really well he is in a lot of ways just like a poor man's nikola Jokic. um but yeah you know Jokic is really special it's it's his passing it's his touch uh his shooting and really his size, just what, like, what just a monster he is on the court. I think the Steph Curry comparison is really interesting because uh, Steph's gravity, as you were calling it, is so unique. And what, what's so unique about it is that because it's predicated on the fact that he's a three-point specialist and the fact that he's small, his gravity is a result of defenses thinking, we can take this away. It's just going to cost us other stuff. Um, and it basically forces defenses to play like an entirely different way against the Warriors as anybody else. Um, makes life way easier for his teammates and just like literally shifts the defense out towards the three-point line because they're saying, you know, we can try our best to stop this. We're just going to have to adjust how we play. Jokic, his quote-unquote gravity is like, it's almost more, it, it's not almost, it's certainly like more impossible to stop so I actually think it doesn't end up affecting how defenses play the way it does against Steph because with Jokic, there's just nothing to be done, you know? Um, yeah, double all you want. Get ready for wide open threes in a layup line. Um, and if you single cover, he's going to devour you as well. Um, but the fact that he plays in like the middle of the court and is such an elite passer... I don't really think he generates gravity the way that Steph does because it's like, what are you going to do? If you double a guy in the middle of the court, it's just bing, bang, boom, automatic open shots. Um, Whereas with Steph, you know, you can kind of, you can at least convince yourself that you can defend it (laughs) even if you can't in reality. I like that. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, Yeah. The, the difference in their play styles affects the, the way that the defenses can, can defend their, their, uh, yeah, just their their gravity and their impact. Um, yeah. Speaking of staff, there was one point I wanted to make. I I have long thought this. You know, people talk about the best players of generations and whatnot, and there's kind of often the like LeBron staff debate for like who owns the 2010s. Yep. Um, and obviously, talk about a debate that would really just like piss LeBron fans off because obviously. LeBron James is a better basketball player than Steph Curry is. No disrespect to Steph Curry, but LeBron is either the best or second best basketball player of all time. So, you know, he's better. But I think what they never really understood is that, like, Steph changed the game in ways that LeBron never would. Um, And that if you're just strictly looking at, like, offensive production – there's a chance that Steph is like a deadlier offensive weapon than LeBron is. Um, and I, you know, I believe that firmly. I, th- I, I think Nikola Jokic is a better offensive weapon than Steph Curry. That's a, that's a hot take. And that's, that, that's my boy. <laughs> that's a, that's a very hot take um, that I'm in, I'm in full support of right now. I think, 
as a as an individual offensive weapon, I would agree that uh, Nikola Jokic is probably a better offensive weapon than Steph Curry, um, purely by the fact that he can do everything on the court. I don't think Steph has the rebounding potential. I don't even think he has the assist and like passing potential, um, which is isn't that crazy? Cra- to yeah, crazy to think. <laughs> Jesus, but a hundred percent true. Yeah. But would you rather have? Would you rather? Would you for real? Would you rather have like Chris Paul making a difficult pass or Nikola Jokic? Oh, Nikola Jokic! I was watching him. He like <laughs> slings it with one hand to the opposite corner from the the like top opposite wing. It's crazy the accuracy of his passes. It was. It's also just like with his size, it just like makes the passes easier too because he has whole new angles that he can throw. Yeah. It, it's insane to say this. He's he's literally a better point guard than the point god. <laughs> oh. All right. Um. Anything else before we before we move on to a little bit, a little bit of new, uh, more Seattle based discussion? No, I think that does a good uh, good job wrapping up the finals. Congrats to the Nuggets. Congrats to Michael Malone. First time ever Denver Nuggets uh, NBA championship. Got to mention Huge. it. Huge. Love to see. Love it. that for them. Denver City of Champions. They have to. Fun fact for our listeners: Denver people in Denver have to buy specialty microwaves uh, because the popcorn setting on ordinary microwaves won't work due to the uh, lack of air pressure at altitude. Popcorn pops at a lower temperature. Um, So, just wanted to shout out my Denver folks out there eating uh, cold popcorn right now. They need to. They need to work on their game. Work on their craft. Melt their butter. <laughs> no, yeah, melt their butter by hand. All right, let's let's. I can't believe we just spent thirty minutes talking about the NBA. Jesus. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into the Mariners and talk a little bit about. Oh, for transparency's sake, I guess we should say we're recording this on Monday, uh, June twelfth, um, as or after the Mariners beat the Marlins 8-1 to one today. So a nice little offensive showing. Uh, and the Mariners are now 3-3 three and three in their last six games after they got swept by Texas, um, which is where we'd rather have them be, you know, kind of playing 500 ball. The Marlins are a good team. I think they're 39-28 and 28 now. Um, they're a good team. I think they're second in the NL East. Um, so just, just good to be good to be competing against good teams. Um, tough to lose two or three to the Angels, but good to bounce back, um, and nice to see a good start from Bryce Miller after he had a couple, couple shaky ones recently. Any any thoughts? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, very happy to see Bryce Miller back on track. A couple shaky starts there had me wavering in my faith, but I am I have I've reaffirmed I've been rebaptized in the waters of Bryce Miller. Um, I'm I'm returning to all in status. Um, yeah, you're right. Marlins are a good team. Love to see a win. We would love to have the Marlins record. So anytime you can beat a team whose record you would love to have, it's a good win. Um, yeah, 3-3 three and three after that tough sweep. Not ideal, but but we'll take it. Um, Angel series was tough. I just, it's the series we need to win, you know? Or the, I, yeah, division series, man. You just can't be... Can't be losing to all the teams above you in your division. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's in the past. Nothing to do but try to build some positive momentum going forward. Bryce Miller looked good today. The offense, I, I we touched on this last time, the offense has been looking good. They've been scoring 
three to four runs minimum through all this stretch, including some of the tough losses. Yeah, I actually, um, I don't think that we touched on this the, last time. I think we were just talking about it over the weekend. Um, so it would be good to just yeah, kind of possible. rattle off those stats real quick. Let me let me pull up the the recent game logs and recent run totals that we've had in the last uh, last I guess ten games or so. So obviously today we scored eight, four, six, four, three, four, three, six. We had one shutout game against the uh, the Rangers, and then towards the end of May we scored. Uh, and we, we didn't do well against the Yankees. So I guess in the month of June, we've been hitting well. And I guess that comes with um, a little bit of Teoscar Hernandez resurgence, perhaps. Ooh, Teoscar. What's he been doing? Fill the people in. Yeah, so his – I was looking at Baseball Savant. And let me actually just pull it up because I still have it up. Look at me, prepared for once. Um, <laughs> in, so in, Not like me, always prepped. <laughs> In the month of June, Teoscar uh, is hitting 379 um, with the strikeout percentage of 24%, which is down from, I believe, hovering above 30%, um, which is huge. And his walk percentage is up to 12%, which is above league average. I believe league average is about 10. Um, so I think what we're seeing is he's really trying to limit those that chasing that we talked about um, you know, a month ago or so, where we were we were upset because he was just constantly chasing those sliders away and I think he's really put in the time and effort to to take those pitches and get and be like in the right right um counts so that he can swing and make and do damage um he's up to hitting fourth in the lineup which I love to see um hitting above Cal above I guess Cal was out today with Murphy catching uh, but above Gino um and really just riding his momentum recently which I I've really appreciated Yeah, it's great, man. Love, love to see it. Love, love Teoscar's game bouncing back. Much needed, little, little veteran savvy. Um, I get, you know, I, the offense is is humming, um, and you love to see it. With this, you know, up and down stretch, it really does point back to, and we've said this before, some struggles with our uh, starters and and our bullpen pitching. Um, you know you're giving up all these runs if you're scoring all these runs and losing games um you kind of got to turn the turn the blame gun somewhere <laughs> yeah i i actually for once i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you on the fact that the pitching is looked a little shaky i uh haven't haven't really been been loving the fact that we gave up we've had let me count one two three four five five of our last it looks like 11 games the other team has scored nine or more runs and when that happens it is Ooh. tough to win <laughs> um and that's obviously a, when we're that's a big that's a big hoof yeah when we're limiting the damage it obviously ends up with with good results you know as you would expect when the pitching does well and the hitting does well and it all comes together you win a lot of games um we just cracked this baseball thing wide <laughs> open i think we could be we could do jerry depoto's job i think that's true um i did also want to touch on julio and his his recent i I guess kind of struggles he's kind of just like leveled out to where he was um i remember we talked about it he was hitting like 211 and then got his average up to around 250 and he's kind of just been hovering there for a little while now so he's he kind of stopped his ascension and we're hoping to see him kind of like bust through that that next level 
um, again. And another note is Jared has regressed just, just a little bit more. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about was the fact that Julio has 12 home runs and he's a third of the way to my 35 home run mark um, where, where you're going to have to pay me $44. So I just wanted to bring that up. That is absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> but we are more than a third of the way into the season. So hey. another way of saying that is he is behind pace. He's going he's gonna to get hot. Remember, he started cold. And so he's going to get hot. It's going to be fine. I just wanted to wanted to bring it up so you, so you know and you're aware. I'm going to keep reminding the listeners until you pay me my money. <laughs> you're going to have to, man. You're going to have to keep reminding me, and then you'll have to forget to remind me once you've lost the bet, and I'll probably forget. <laughs> remind me, what were, the, what were the stakes on my side? I know I was going to pay you 44. What was I getting? 44. It was we bet Julio's number. It was just whoever won it. It was... 34 or Damn, lower, you win the bet, bet, and it is 35 or more, and I win the bet. I, I, I like that. I, I like that bet a lot. I'm sorry to take rent money from, from you, but uh, <laughs> I'll, do what I, I'll do what I must. I should have won it on that heat plus nine and a half tonight we, we talked about. We did. My, my brother ended up betting that and, and, was, and was flexing it to me today. God. Uh, yeah, why are we just always right about sports bets? People should really come to us for. Should we start a sports betting sports podcast? Betting Let's abandon this Seattle <laughs> sports podcast. Keep 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 the name, keep everything, but just next episode come in and just full sports betting. I like that idea. I like it a lot. Um, all right, let's get into the next little discussion that I wanted to have about the Mariners, um, and get into who we think is going to represent us at the All-Star Game. Um, what I want to do is pull up the current leaders in votes and kind of see where everybody's sitting, where we uh, we did just do, the Mariners did just do like a little deal with the Padres where they're both kind of endorsing each other for the, obviously we're trying to get people to vote for the Padres on the NL side and the Padres are trying to get their fans to vote for Mariners on the AL side, uh, which is a cool little... Uh, little tandem that I'm that I'm excited to see and see if that helps get more <laughs> get more so mariners going like to all star I mean it's the the uh spring training rivalry is what I would call it. Like it's the Padres and the Mariners are have kind of a long history of being rivals in spring training, which I've always thought is interesting. But just the idea of like trying to get your fan base to vote another team in so that their fan base will vote your teammate. <laughs> I I just I don't know man. It's I I think it's a good little deal. Like I I think it's it would be surprising if it wasn't um, more common. I don't know that I've seen anything else. Obviously, I'm not following every other team, um, but I'd be yeah I'd be surprised if if more teams weren't doing that um, as the All Star Game approaches. I think it's a I think it's a cool idea. That's totally fair. Yeah. Well, I'm here looking <laughs> a little discouraging at uh, the current vote leaders for all-star in the american league and uh looking at the leaders and their current runners up at every position uh not a lot of mariners names on here um some people to think about so i see that ty france is fifth in first base voting right now which isn't bad um he's you know of the infielders it's kind of him and jp and jp is also fifth um but Bo bichette is leading the the jp by what is that? Six hundred thousand votes. Um, he's Oof. he's quintupled JP's vote total. Um, 
So that's just, I think the the Blue Jays fans and the, the Canadian fans really, like Matt Chapman is, I guess, and he's good, but Matt Chapman is the leading vote getter for the, the All-Stars for third base in the AL. Um, God, Whit Merrifield is third at second base for the Blue Jays. I, like, I think the Canadian fans really show up to this freaking all-star voting, which is crazy. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think I saw a stat earlier today that uh, Jared Kelnick was 15th. Julio is currently 9th for the outfield voting. Um, but Jared's 15th, and that's a, that's a awesome to see that the that people are voting for him. Um, what I really want to see is where Cal's stacking up at catcher, and I want to see where Kirby and Gilbert and Castillo are all lining up. Cal looks like he's two, four, six, eight, something around ten at catcher. I have him as six. It looks like he's hundred and hundred and thirty thousand votes, but he's you know a third of the way towards Adley Rushman. But I don't think he's going to catch him. Um, in terms of pitching, let's see. Oh, that's not on here. Sad day. Just outfielders. Um, yeah, our DH obviously doesn't doesn't <laughs> even matter. Our second baseman doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> the DH. Do we not have a shot at All Star at DH? No, bro. What about a pity vote? Who's, who's going to go for us? I think it's AJ Pollock is our DH that's represented on the ballot, which sucks. That's pretty gross. <laughs> um, but let's talk about who who we think could could make it. So obviously we talked a little bit about JP, a little bit about Julio, Jared, uh, our pitchers. Of all those guys, who would you want to most represent the Mariners at the All Star Game? Yeah, I feel like it's pretty easy uh, to have this discussion. You know, normally. If, you know, one of our role players was really stepping up and excelling, um, you'd want to give it to him. Um, but with this year, with it being in Seattle, all I want for Christmas is is Julio representing us at the All-Star Game. Um, he's having a okay year, you know, a bit of a sophomore slump, but playing hard, good attitude. Um, nobody else is really stealing the show such that I would want to you know, reward them over the kind of young star of the team. And, you know, with kind of a disappointing year so far for the Mariners, you know, just give us our guy. You know, I don't need anything crazy or flashy. Um, just just reward the just reward the, the man. Um, I like that. I like that call. It's kinda of, you know, kinda of simple, kind of kind of lame, but it's respectable. Um I would say I would want JP to represent us. I think just like vibes-wise, purely vibes-wise, I would love to have JP represent us at the All-Star Game. And I also think he's, he deserves it. He's been, our, he, you know, he worked his way up to our leadoff spot and has just been a kind of a good, solid role player that is like one of the few players who's actually stepped up this year instead of, you know, by all means regressing. Like Gino's regressed. Obviously our second base spot regressed a ton. Cal's even regressed a little bit. A lot of our pitchers aren't pitching as well as we thought they would be. Like, JP's the one guy who took took a step forward, I think. And uh, I would love to see him represented, uh, representing at the Mariners at the All-Star Game, if Julio wasn't that, for whatever That's reason. a good answer. That's a good answer. And and in terms of vibes, you are 100% correct. He is, he is vibes king. But uh, with that being said, if we're talking about truly deserving it, then I think the answer is Kirby. <laughs> 
Mm. Interesting. Elaborate. His, his, you know, his risp. No, no, not risp. His, uh, <laughs> his risp. His Runners in scoring, scoring position. position. No, his uh, value above replacement um, is, uh, I think, the highest on the team so far this year. Uh, maybe not in terms of the literal stat, but just in terms of kind of eye test. Uh, I feel like his, what he brings in terms of like star power um, as, as you know, our best pitcher so far this year, in my mind, um, has been very valuable. Still had up, you know, ups and downs like every pitcher does. But uh, if you had to, if you, if, if there was a gun to my head and I had to pick the player that I think would most outperform his, you know, MLB compatriots on a given day, I would pick George Kirby. I like that pick. I think Castillo would be a really, like, just a fun representative. I'm looking at George Kirby's... Way funner than Kirby. (laughs) I'm looking at George Kirby's baseball savant page, and I'm kind of surprised at how good he's been over the last, you know, year. Um, he's obviously doesn't allow walks, but everything else is pretty average when it comes to like his strikeout percentage. He's 31st percentile, his whiff percent, like he doesn't get whiffs. His barrel percentage is actually pretty high. His fastball spin is not amazing. His extension is not amazing. His curve spin is below average. Like everything about Kirby is just like an average pitcher. Um, which is a little scary now that I think about it, like thinking about George Kirby's future, but that's a topic for another day in terms of all-star voting. I would go Luis. Wow, what a bummer. Yeah, sorry to bring that up. Thanks, thanks for that, Tyler. A frightening look behind the curtain of George Kirby's stats. Um, Coming up next, is George Kirby a fraud? <laughs> uh, but I think Castillo would just be super fun. I would Honestly, you know who would be really fun to see would be uh, Bryce Miller. I would love to see him just like pump fastballs Hell at the top of the strike yes. zone and just see like the world's best hitters try and touch them because it feels like nobody can when he's on. Um, yeah, you, I think you know, really I fun. actually thought about Miller for a little bit, but I thought that you would make fun of me. No, I think it'd, it'd be a fun pick. I don't, it, you know, there's no way it, it happens, it but <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, that would be the funny funnest pick. Castillo would have like the most fun out there, like hyping up the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Bryce Miller would. I think Bryce Miller would be the most likely to get me to watch MLB All Star. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be in, uh, uh, whatchamacallit. I'm going to be in Morocco at the time of the All-Star game, so I will not be, not be watching, probably, sad, sad as it is to say. Gosh. <laughs> Don't you hate when your international travels interfere with your sports watching? It kind of sucks, because the, the All-Star game is not going to come back for another, like, 20 years. I'm going to be 45 when it friggin' finally returns. You should tell your girlfriend you can't make it happen. Morocco has to wait. <laughs> Morocco will still be there next year. That's true. You're right. Maybe I should just just call it off. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's that's all I got for you in terms of Mariners and and potential All Star bids. Um, just just a light discussion as we as they as we get further along in the voting process, we'll kind of hone in on who who looks like they have potential and maybe just. Hype them up, see see how they could compare to, to the other all-star candidates and uh, talk about that. But for now, you have anything else before we head out? I don't think so. I think it's just worth mentioning that, yeah, with the NBA now wrapping up um, and still a while before NFL kicks off, 
we're in kind of the, the doldrums of the sport year other than Mariners. Um, and because of that, we've got some kind of fun plans for episodes that are a little less uh, breaking news based and more conversation and debate based on various sports and goings on. So, uh, yeah, the format may change a little bit. Obviously, we'll be touching on the nerves as they continue to work, but uh, uh, hopefully we'll have some unique content to present. There's going to be a little bit more personality coming out of the pod. Yeah, God help us. <laughs> we got to show off the, the strong part of our game, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, hey, if you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give the podcast a follow on Spotify. We haven't released anywhere else because Spotify is the easiest one to do for podcasters, but who knows? Maybe we'll get out there and get on to Apple Podcasts and things like that soon. Um, if you would like to interact with the podcast, feel free to give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at SoundUpSeattle, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, you can email us at SoundUpSeattle at gmail.com. You can find me, Tyler, at TyCart50, basically anywhere that's important. And John will be lost to the wilderness for the next week. Do not try to find him. He might get mauled by a bear. If you see me in the woods, act as you would if I was a bear. You know, look big. <laughs> Don't approach me. Don't try to feed me anything. Try and snap a picture if you can. It could go could go uh, for a large large bid at auction when when they find Bigfoot. <laughs> hey, you know what they say about big feet? Um, yeah, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Go M's, baby.